Hello, hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Unrambling. My name is Fraser, and I have Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. In a time where we're all experiencing some kind of health-related anxiety, whether that be for ourselves or for our loved ones or even strangers, I think it's important to take a look at how this disease is affecting the mental well-being of different communities across the globe. I'm not particularly well informed about other mental illnesses, but I am in a position to comment on my own experiences with a very unique anxiety disorder and how the outbreak of the COVID-19 virus has affected me. Hopefully, it will be comforting if, like me, you suffer most of yourself, but if not, I hope it's at least informative. So on today's episode, I want to talk about what unravelling is actually about and what it means and what my aims are a bit here. And also, I want to discuss what OCD is and what it means to me. I'm going to be touching very briefly on how OCD is portrayed in the media and how people tend to misidentify OCD as a kind of fussiness and how that isn't a really a helpful way of capturing the issue uh, if we want to get better. So there might be a lot of topics covered here today, uh, but I think because this is the first episode, I, th I think that's okay. Um, so I'll start by saying that there are blog posts that I've also written which connected to these podcast episodes. So if you'd like to uh, read those, uh, if you'd like a, a sort of, you know, it's like a sort of brief summary, just a few paragraphs of what I discuss here, um, then you can find those at unravelingocd.blogspot.com. And the idea uh, for those is just that you'll get a more condensed version of uh, unraveling. Um, unraveling abridged, basically. So. Uh, so you can choose the format uh, that you'd like to suit your needs. Um, but uh, we'll be discussing the first two posts on, on the blog, um, which are up there now. We'll be discussing those here today uh, and a little bit more. So if you want to take a look, you can. Um, so to begin, uh, we're going to be talking about what this project is and why it's called Unraveling. Uh, and then we'll move on to what OCD is more generally. But to start, um, why is this called Unraveling? Well, in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, I've just kind of feel like I've been coming apart a little bit. And, um, you know, see, I was having a, a bad day a few days ago um, and I was at work and I started panicking. And the reason was uh, I'd got it in my head that just by being there during the COVID-19 pandemic, despite the fact that I'm apparently, you know, an essential worker, uh, I was doing something uh, unforgivable. Now, this is a time where we are probably all feeling very anxious about our health and also paranoid that you might be making the virus worse by accidentally spreading it and so on. But when you have OCD, you tend to feel that you have a heightened amount of responsibility for these things. And there's a kind of there's an inflated feeling of accountability that comes with OCD, which is um, actually right at the heart of kind of understanding it as a mental illness. Um, so if you're listening to this and you have OCD, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. But if you don't and you're not sure what I mean, uh, stick with me because... Um, I'll come to talk about it a bit more in a moment. Uh, for now, let's let's return to the to me and my panic attack at work and um, how that led to me starting unraveling. Um, so there I'm, I'm, you know, I'm at work and I'm freaking out and um, my my skin's going really hot because I'm having a panic attack and I think about how having a high temperature is a symptom of coronavirus and then I start to kind of sweat <laughs> because I'm panicking and. Um, you know, I start to kind of think about how, you know, sort of flu-like symptoms in the coronavirus. And I sort of ended up, you know, like convincing myself that I was kind of, that I, you know, that this was it. <laughs> so what did I do to tackle this problem? Well, I did what any kind of socially conscious and well-adjusted person would do. Uh, I ran upstairs and I hid in the toilet. Um, and uh, while I was hiding up there, I was thinking to myself, you know, like, what if I just leave? I could, you know, I could sneak out the back. 
Um, it's about 20 meters from, from the toilet to the back door. I could make it um, and they wouldn't realize I was gone until it was too late and I could be home with a, with a cup of tea, sitting on my sofa, doing some drawing or whatever, and, you know, instead of standing here kind of shaking in my boots in the toilet. I looked at myself in the mirror and all the color had drained from my face and I had these big dark circles under my eyes because I hadn't been sleeping well and they were peering out at me from over the top of this kind of baby blue like sort of surgical mask and I thought, you know, Jesus, I look like shit. <laughs> and I kind of leant into the mirror to sort of really look at myself and I could see how kind of scared I looked and pallid and exhausted I'd, I'd become and then all I could think was, yeah, I'm, I'm unraveling, I'm, I'm coming apart. Somewhere the thread has gotten caught and it's been pulled and pulled and to my life is just kind of a bundle of loose threads on the floor with no kind of discernible shape or colour. Or at least that's the direction that I could see my, myself going in and I wanted to stop it. Either way, I was sent home because I was in no fit state to work and I rang my mum and had a cup of tea and I calmed down. Um, and now what they tell you in therapy I should have done is stayed at work so that I could address my anxiety and expose myself to what was triggering my anxiety and just try and let my panic come down naturally of its own accord. Um, because by running away, I'd given the thing I was afraid of the power that it needed to keep making me afraid. This is a message I've heard a lot in my life, and it's it's definitely true. And exposure therapy is a tried and tested uh, method, and it's something that is used to treat uh, used a lot in the treatment of uh, OCD. Um, and it often makes up a significant part of cognitive behavioral therapy courses. The trouble with exposure is that it only works if the thing you're exposing yourself to, the thing which you think is really dangerous, you know, exposure only works if that thing isn't actually dangerous. If you're afraid that dogs will bite you, a good way to go about treating that fear would be to sit with some nice, friendly dogs and see that they're actually harmless. But if you're afraid that you might make someone seriously ill by unknowingly spreading a contagion that could even be fatal, just afraid but so obsessed with the thought that you have developed a mental disorder surrounding it um, well then this is a very scary time for you <laughs> um, and exposure is no longer a viable course of action for you with that so if you suffer from OCD at the moment then we're really in uncharted waters here and it's very confusing so it's hard uh, to say if me being sent home from work was the right thing to do or not I'm not sure but I, I do know that it has enabled me to do this so that's the gift in it, I suppose. So that's where the name Unraveling came from, but now I think it means something else. Now I think it's more about getting to the bottom of this kind of really deep issue and trying to understand my OCD and help people understand OCD in general. And also kind of make sense of what's going on here and how we're supposed to mediate the relationship between COVID-19 and OCD. I'm not sure I have the answers yet, but it might be fun just to explore these ideas with you guys. So... There, we've covered the name and uh, what kind of some of my aims are. You know, I want to unravel OCD and, and um, try and navigate uh, what we're supposed to be doing um, in the COVID-19 outbreak. So now we should probably look at what OCD actually is and some of the misconceptions surrounding OCD. And we're going to start by briefly looking at how OCD is portrayed in the media uh, and then kind of look at why that's wrong. So what is OCD? So OCD is a, uh, a neurobiological anxiety disorder. It stands for obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, and it's something that I think people feel that, they're, that they know about, but often, and, you know, in the, in the politest way, I think um, maybe people are, are slightly less informed than they 
than they think. And I think largely this is because um, OCD is sort of very underrepresented in the media. And when it is represented, it's often sort of misrepresented. Um, and this can lead to some kind of really unhelpful assumptions. And it's not really people's fault that they've made these assumptions. I think media creators have a responsibility to portray mental illness in a responsible way. Um, but I think Poirot, the kind of recent-ish Poirot movie, Murder on the Orient Express, with a, I think it was Kenneth Branagh and um, Daisy Ridley. That might be a good example here of a character who's sort of OCD, but is actually more of just kind of a, a whimsical, he's just kind of whimsical and a bit eccentric. You know, and at the start, you know, start of the film, he's, he's measuring his eggs to make sure they're all the same size. And that looks a bit kind of obsessive compulsive, but actually that's just the kind of character of OCD. That's not what OCD is really, that's not what it really looks like. Um, and the crucial difference is that Poirot doesn't have to hide in a toilet every time an egg is misshaped, or at least to my knowledge. I don't know a great deal about the character in fairness. But, but yeah, OCD gets mischaracterized as merely kind of excessive fastidiousness. Um, as though the suffering question is simply kind of like obsessively careful or neat or clean or meticulous and so on. And at best, I would say that this misidentifies the issue, but it does give us somewhere to begin when we try to explain OCD to people who have misconceptions about what it involves. And at worst, I'd say this explanation dismisses the sufferer as being merely particular about their life. So unsurprisingly, OCD is actually a lot more complicated than that. Um, and it's also often a lot more harmful and more crippling than that as well. So in brief then, what, what actually is OCD? So obsessive compulsive disorder is essentially a thought disorder. So we all have these things called intrusive thoughts, right? So we all have these kind of intrusive, unwanted and unpleasant thoughts from time to time. And they're perfectly natural and normal occurrence. It can be triggered by anything or nothing really, and they just kind of barge in uninvited, and that's a, a very normal thing to happen. But people with OCD experience these thoughts differently and ascribe more significance to their intrusive thoughts. Um, firstly, people with OCD, who I think should have a name and I've decided should be called Octopeople, with like a D, or like Octopus, but with a D, Oct Octopus. <laughs> I think that for them. <laughs> Once an intrusion has entered their mind, it kind of gets stuck there. We sort of sit with the thought for longer than other people do, and we obsessively kind of dwell on it. And in the cases where the intrusive thought pertains to some horrific outcome or actions, you know, OCD sufferers can come to believe that having an intrusive thought involving some kind of action like that is just as bad as carrying out the action in question. They might also believe that simply because they thought about something bad, like say, I don't know, like running over your neighbor with your car, <laughs> you know, like they might think that just because they've had that intrusive thought, um, it's more likely to happen, you know, or that they're, they're, they're going to do it or that it's true. And this is something called thought action fusion. Um, and if you want to learn more about thought action fusion and OCD, there is an article written by Owen Kelly called Thought Action Fusion and OCD for a, a website called verywellmind.com and um, if you go to the unravelingocd.blogspot.com blog um, there is a bibliography there with all the sources um, that I'll be referencing here today. 
because I can't afford to get sued by Very Well Mind or other publishers um, for using their terminology. I don't know if that is his term, but that's where I'm getting it from. So on bad days, OCD patients are kind of bombarded with unsolicited and often, you know, extremely unpleasant intrusive thoughts which spell out either kind of explicitly or implicitly these dire consequences for the thinker's life. Now most people can let their intrusions go, but uh, octa people <laughs> can't really do that. So, you know, so what can they do to make themselves feel better? Well, what we try to do is soothe away the thoughts um, with the completion of rituals, which kind of console us that the terrifying thing that we think might happen isn't going to become a reality. Uh, and there's more information on that if you want to look at uh, Hyman Pedrick's book, The OCD Workbook, uh, from 2010. But trying to suppress uh, these intrusive thoughts actually becomes an obsession for, the, for, the, for someone with OCD. And then these rituals and behaviours that we do that ensue to calm us down, well, these are, the, these are our compulsive behaviours. Um, so that's the O and the C, you know, the obsession and the compulsion side of it. And it's in, you know, we have to do a sticky D on the end of there and then there you go. You got yourself, uh, you got yourself an acronym. Um, so let's look at some examples of how intrusive thoughts can lead to rituals. So let's say you're, you're driving and you, you see your neighbor and you imagine just for a moment, like what it'd be like if you, if you hit them with your car. Uh, maybe I pissed you off previously, or maybe not. Sometimes intrusions are just kind of not triggered, but they just sort of stick their head in through the window and kind of poke about in your brain. Um, it's almost like you're saying to yourself, you're like, oh my God, you know, can you even imagine? Can you even imagine if I did this? And then for most people, that thought goes away and they just sort of, they drop it. But people with OCD put a lot more significance behind uh, our intrusive thoughts. And so because of this thought-action fusion, you can think that simply because you've uh, had this thought about hurting your neighbor, um, it must say something about you and you must want to do it on some level. And, you know, you believe you're a really bad person for thinking that. And, I, you know, I can't stress enough how normal intrusive thoughts like this are. Um, and if, so if you're sitting there and you're wondering, you know, you, you can't, if you don't have OCD and you can't think of an example of a time you had an intrusive thought, you know, next time, Next time you're going to the shops or something, I don't know. Um, just look out for them because they they do come. You know, they, they come and they come and go all the time. You might not remember having them purely because you don't think that they're very significant or important because they're not. But for people with OCD, it's not that simple, and so they get stuck. But so anyway, so let's say you've had this thought about hitting your neighbour, and now your anxiety is is come up because you know, of course, you don't want to hurt people. You're a very normal person. You don't want to fucking hit your neighbor with your car it's not that's not that's not what you want to do with your life but but because it scares you you try and sort of push the thought out of your mind and suppress the thought but what you're actually doing when you're suppressing or running away from thoughts is you're actually giving them more power and then they become even more scary and so you'll start to look for or do things that will calm you down and you'll start to do behaviors that kind of prove that you're not capable of whatever it is that you thought about, or you'll do things that mean that you're certain that what, you know, your imagined scenario won't come to pass. And then this is how suppressing a thought becomes an obsession and 
this is what gives rise to compulsive behavior and then boom there you go you've got OCD and that's kind of it really I think a lot of people think OCD they think of it as kind of like a tick almost like something you get stuck doing that you just sort of can't break out of but it's actually not it's 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 you know it's a it's, it's more to do with the thoughts and I think it's a lot of it is just to do with you know getting getting stuck in your own head really as opposed to stuck doing a repetitive action and i think it's often the case that what you're doing you know and i'm not a psychologist i'm just speaking from experience but i think it's possible that whatever you're doing whatever your compulsions might be they're actually kind of irrelevant because really what you're trying to do is get some certainty i think that's what you're after so it could be washing your hands or checking your locks or even just dwelling and kind of scrubbing through your mind so-called bad thoughts and this brings us to you know COVID-19 because if your obsession is that it's wrong for you to spread a contagion or you're obsessed with the idea that you might somehow hurt someone by spreading a germ um, or you know or even kill them in that way then as I said you know this is a very scary time for you um, so you could be outside and you could be a thought enters your mind that you're somehow contaminated and this is your intrusion it's a normal day and then suddenly you think I'm putting people in danger, I'm unclean, I'm going to kill someone just by talking to them. This is going to make you panic and I think if anyone had that thought and they really believed it was true, then panic actually seems like an all too reasonable reaction. I think that's completely fair and I'd be surprised if you weren't panicking at the thought um, you know, that you were going to kill someone. <laughs> but without OCD you can probably let that thought go. But that's something I know I struggle with and I know other Octa people do too. So then I might think, you know, hang on, Boris says wash your hands, so I'm going to go and do that, I'm going to go and wash my hands. So I've washed my hands, and I think there, now no one can say that I'm contagious. But then another thought will enter my mind and say, okay, but what if you didn't do it right? So I'll wash my hands again for longer this time and more aggressively. All right, done, on with my day. But then I'll think to myself, but what if, you know, hear me out, what if that's not enough? What if the germs aren't on your hands? What if they're on your arms? Well, okay, the shirt comes off and I scrub right up to my shoulders. But what if? What if the germs are in your mouth? Dun, dun, dun. You know, <laughs> oh my God, right? You know, here we go. And I used to you know, I used to genuinely do this. You know, you mouthwash for like a solid minute or two. And then just to be safe, you might like down some of the mouthwash because you think it's going to clean you from the inside. I know it sounds mad, but you know... <laughs> uh, what I used to do. I mean, I've washed the inside of my mouth and like gums with actual hand soap before. So I was so worried that there could be germs in there. And it's horrible. <laughs> you know, that used to be a punishment for kids who swear. You know. <laughs> um, and you see how each time I do that, I'm basically giving in to my fear because my actions confirm my belief that I'm going to make someone sick. My actions are the actions of someone who is contagious. So if something is hazardous in this way, you know, we clean it. My actions are the actions of a man covered in bacteria. And so by performing these actions, I'm actually bolstering my belief that I'm contagious and I get trapped in this kind of vicious cycle of belief and confirmation. So the prescribed treatment is, you know, show me that I'm not contagious, expose myself to the outside world, go and sit with someone and see if they get really ill. And in the old days that used to work because of course everything would be fine. But now we've got this new virus and I'm being told that exposing myself is, you know, socially irresponsible thing to do. And it is. 
And so sadly, my OCD is actually being vindicated by the existence of a global pandemic, which is basically what I've been preparing for my whole life, um, because I've had OCD since I was a very small boy. So now the task is this, I have to find new ways to cope and manage my OCD within the framework of a deadly outbreak. And I have to do so in a way which is socially responsible without resulting in me indulging too heavily in my already inflated sense of responsibility that I get from my OCD. <laughs> so you can see it's tricky, you know? It's really hard, but that's what that's what unraveling is. That's that's what we're gonna that's why we call it that and it's because, you know, the world is super confusing for me right now, and I think it is for a lot of us, but I genuinely believe that uh, we can do it, you know, we can unpack the issue. That's what I want. So we're coming to the end now, and we've talked about uh, media responsibility and what OCD is, and what my OCD is like and what the goal of this project is. But I'm aware that some of you may now be feeling a bit anxious, because I'm aware that I might have posed a kind of serious problem here of how we're going to deal with our OCD, but not giving you an answer. And sadly, that's because I don't have one yet, and I might not get one. But I think it's important to talk about these things, so I'm just going to take a minute to say uh, that the piece of advice I can give you is this. You need to be kind to yourself. Next time you catch yourself thinking that you're going to make people sick, or you're contagious, or that you're starting to panic, and your OCD flares up, just take a step back. Because yes, there is a real danger out there for some people in the form of the coronavirus, but just do your best you can, because you're not the things that you think you are. You're not this walking germ, this pathogen that's going to spread disease to all the world. You're just a normal person. Granted, a normal person with probably an overactive and very creative imagination, but just be kind to yourself, because you're not in this alone. And it's not all your fault, no matter how much you try and convince yourself that it might be. So take some deep breaths in here if you need to. Count to four as you breathe in and then hold it for four. Count to four as you breathe out and then hold it for another four. And if you're still feeling anxious, you can do that a few more times if you like. But don't do any of your compulsions if you can stop yourself. And just sit and let your anxiety come down naturally, because I promise that it will. All right, next time uh, we'll talk about something else. I'm sorry if the audio quality isn't great on this. Um, I'm still uh, still working out everything really um at one point uh, for those of you who know me i've got this kind of like a pet seagull and he just flew at the window at one point during this recording so <laughs> that might show up also my stomach just growled no for mine <laughs> um but yeah next time we'll talk about something else maybe something more focused on kind of day-to-day -day of what it's like to live with ocd i, I realize that this probably comes across almost like a little like a hypnosis thing where i just speak from like a script very softly it's not all mapped out, but um, yeah, I don't know what the next episode will be. They take a while to write and, and do, but if anyone has anything uh, that they'd like me to talk about or anything they want me to go over again uh, that wasn't so clear, you can just drop me a message. Um, also, uh, if you have your own opinions and you'd like to voice them, uh, do let me know uh, as well, because um, that would be great. And you know, in an ideal world, I wouldn't be doing this alone. I would have other people to bounce off, but sadly social distance in it um but i might do zoom interviews or discussions or something we'll see uh so if you do want to you know message me any ideas that you might have of topics that would be great um i mean obviously if you know me which i think pretty much everyone who listens to this does at this point because it's the first one <laughs> you you know how to contact me but if you don't um you can reach me 
uh, on my Instagram at House of Fraser. That's spelled House H O W S underscore of underscore Fraser. You just DM me on there if you like. That's probably the best one because that's where I'm posting most of the social media for this. Uh, and if you do want to check out that blog again, um, it's uh, unravelingocd.blogspot.com. And um, yeah, okay. Well, stay safe, everyone. I hope you're having a good week or weekend, depending on when you listen to this. It's Friday now, so yeah. Isn't that interesting? All right. <laughs> um, okay. Bye for now, everyone.